I'm Marty. And I'm Marissa. We released our debut album this holiday season, and we would love to share it with all of you. There are so many holiday classics. Some new bops for all of your party needs. We invited some of our friends from Broadway to sing with us. There's a little something for everyone on this record. If you're looking for something new, fun, and heartfelt, look up Marty and Marissa, the award-winning holiday album on Candy Cane Records. Available on iTunes, Spotify, and all streaming services. Happy Holidays! Two seconds. Just two seconds. Okay. Ugh. Enjoy my crotch shot. Oh, totally. You know, I saw somebody's ass on the way home, so. Mm-hmm. I'd like to propose a toast. Welcome to Wines and Dolls, a podcast where Chelsea and Emily wine and talk about musicals. Welcome. Wine is a devil on time drop. I'm here. You're here? All right. Let's do this. Okay. Oh, I'm so excited to be revisiting our very own episode. Our very first episode. That's right. Because you know what, y'all? This month is all about redos. Redos, revivals, and we hooked episode one up to an AED, and we're going to let that episode, episode one die. We're going to let it die because it was bad because was, you know what? We didn't know what we were doing and mm-hmm. Chelsea got really drunk. It is funny. I was listening to it today. I texted you, Chelsea. I was like, oh, we got to the plot kind of at minute 42. Mm-hmm. At 42. I was like, yep, that's because I just rambled about my favorite things in that show. That's probably why. But uh, as you remember, as you all may recall, because you faithfully follow us and listen to all of our episodes, episode one is... Putnam County Spelling Bee. What, what's the full name? Because for some reason, I kept messing it up on episode one. The, here we go. It's the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. That's the whole name. Yikes. I know. I kept going like 25th Putnam, 25th Count, County. Twi- <laughs> qu- question mark. Question mark. Yeah. No, it's 25th. The 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Oh, man. Bam. I love it. That was yes. beautiful. But first, hey, Chels. Hey, Emily. What are you drinking? Today, I have a Coke because I'm a little hungover and I needed some, um, shh, don't tell anybody. I'm hungover a little and I, <laughs> I just need some caffeine. But also, I'm drinking some Tattersall, old-fashioned. It's, it's what my roommate had. So it's a little, little glass of old-fashioned and it's delicious. <laughs> your roommate had it did you does she know that you have it now oh it's grant yeah i asked oh okay cool plus plus he owes me hey emily hey chelsea <laughs> what are you drinking i am drinking austin east cider brute mm. found out recently that one of our bartenders on the ghost tours knows the owner of austin east cider and i fangirled oh. for a second oh my god hey chelsea hey emily what are you whining about? Actually, it's a 
positive sparkling wine. Sparkling wine. You all may recall about a month and a half ago, I was whining because I was stressed out at work because we were working on this huge project. And today it premiered at the church and I'm so happy and I'm so proud and it's just such a good show. You can go on my Facebook page and watch it. It's a cantata. The cantata. Congratulations. It's the, to my knowledge, this is the first time any church has attempted something like this. It's a full five songs that's all done virtually, filmed every single choir member individually, plus children, plus orchestra members individually, and put it all together in a big virtual Fun world. (laughs) Big old virtual fun world. Thank you to John Gramillion for editing all that shit together and Darren Murphy for sound designing. Holy shit, we sound great. And we look fantastic. Hey, Emily. Hey, Chelsea. What are you whining about? I have been thinking about this all day. Yes, Um, you're prepared. She's prepared. Then I was reminded that you had this cantata. Mm. And so truly I am whining. (laughs) Right now. So I'm changing my wine that I've been thinking about all day (laughs) to wine that you had some guest singers and I was not one of them. Oh, my God. (laughs) All the guest singers that came on had sung with us previously, and so I'm so sorry. This is, so now my wine has been added on that, that not only was I not a guest singer for the cantata, but I was also never a guest singer before it. <laughs> but I do have a sparkling wine. What's your sparkling wine? You know when you're at rehearsal and like that one person is late and they walk in there with a Starbucks and they're like, oh, "I'm so sorry, that I'm late. There was traffic, but they still have a Starbucks." Literally me. Literally. Yes. Me. Well, yeah. today yes. I am that person. <laughs> because I was like, we can start recording at four. And then I drove by a Starbucks and I Ish. went and got it. And I've walked in now <laughs> with my Starbucks and I don't care. <laughs> well, that's fine. I've definitely done that to you and literally everybody <laughs> in my life. And that's what we're whining about. Yes. You ready to give us some of that good old sweet, sweet background? The good old sweet, sweet background. Of course. Oh, also, we should we should talk about what our connection to Putnam County is. Oh my you got gosh, any yes. connections? I only saw Putnam at, it was the first show I saw and auditioned for at Furman University. And that is literally my only connection to the show. I auditioned for it and I did not get in. And then I saw it and it was, it was pretty good. That's pretty good. And that's my connection. <laughs> oh, it's one of the best shows. I just love it. I know you have a much deeper connection to this show. I do. I was in it way back in the day, and it was definitely definitely an illegal production. Whoa, yeah, um, actually. <laughs> super low-key illegal. But it was a great experience. I love the music. I've always liked the music. But um, it was actually my first show before I was in it. It was my first show to see on Broadway was Putnam County Spelling Bee with the original cast. I didn't. Wait, no. I forgot about that. That's amazing. My original Leaf County Bear was, was, I know, I know. It was so good. It was such a good show. And then I had the awesome opportunity to music direct it a few years, like decade later. Um, in Texas. So it was a few couple decades later, a few couple decades later. And I got to play Logan Schwartz and Groovenier in the illegal production. Uh, but the legal production, I got to music direct and I kind of music directed for that other production because our music director had a baby. 
So oh. I just kind of took over. That was like my first unofficial music directing gig without getting paid for it. I, at that same <laughs> theater where I too did not know we were putting on an illegal production, I became mm-hmm. dance captain unofficially. Love that. I love that. Uh, <laughs> oh, so anyway. I was like, I feel like we need, to, we need to clarify that we did not know it was illegal until we did not after know. the fact. Honestly, until I heard the karaoke track playing with the voices. Try, they tried to sketch out the voices underneath oh, it. Oh, with audacity you where it. you invert the audio. Yes. I was like, oh, God. Oh, no. It was a really fantastic show. We're going to let people just imagine what that's like. <laughs> um, is it illegal if you don't know if it's illegal, if you are in it? Oh, it's, it's definitely still illegal. But, you know. Uh, FBI is going to come after us. I'm, no, they're not. They've got bigger <laughs> fish to fry. Anyway, take us in that sweet, sweet background. The sweet, sweet background of the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. That uh, little tongue tie that you hear from me, well, you'll be hearing a lot because I am wired from coffee today. Yes. Yes, that workflow from uh, Coffee Over Cardio. Whew. Mm. But I did a lovely thing where I took our original notes or my original notes that were deep, deep inside drive. And I copy and pasted them onto our new document. Look at you. (laughs) Where on the first episode, I was like initial thoughts. I'm like, Oh, this is hilarious. Um, but yes, there was Barfy who is Barfay who makes belching noises throughout the show, but his name is Barfay. And then there's a snobby character who brags about being skinny. So we'll talk about her in a little bit. It's not that she brags. She just is skinny. She just is skinny. Also, if you and Google... she's just perfect. Apparently, according to her. <laughs> according to her. But it's not that she's being snobbish about it. It's just a fact. Perfection is in the eyes of the bee holder. Oh, get the <laughs> fuck out of here. I'm going to tell you what I tell James all the time. Get out of the car. I don't care that you're driving. Get out of the car. Get out of the car. Get uh, out of the car. Okay, so Cheers. if you Google if you Google Putnam County, the first suggestion is Florida, just so you know. But yeah. here's back from a Putnam, the twenty fifth annual Putnam annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. There are so many no. words in that title. Did I mess it up already? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna let. It's like a. It's a puzzle, Don't and every time it. I say it, it's gonna be a new puzzle. Yay. So, yay. Music and lyrics are by William Finn. William Finn is also the mastermind behind the music and lyrics of the falsettos. I'm breaking down. Breaking down. As you might have heard or watched with uh, Jennifer, or not Jennifer, Stephanie J. Block. And the book is. You have not watched falsettos? Not yet. (gasps) Oh, okay. Is it on? Where can I watch it? It's, uh, I can send you it on H on Broadway HD. Love that. Yeah, I'll send it to you. And then James Lapine wrote the book. Who is James Lapine? Well, he is the writer of the show called a new brain and it's based off. And that show is actually based off his near death experience, which I thought was cool. And then he's also the one who wrote in trousers. These, all these notes might start to sound familiar. Oh, I remember this. Yeah. In trousers. Yeah. Like I remember this conversation. 30. Yeah. But James Lapine yeah. also, he, he directs a lot. We've, we've heard his name a lot over the past year as a director. The book mm-hmm. is also by Rachel Scheinkin. So Rachel Scheinkin and James Lapine, I believe James Lapine, the reason he was written as book is because it was some of his original jokes that made it into the final, um, 
final script that gets sent out. Mm-hmm. So we have Rachel Scheinkin and the show itself was conceived by Rebecca Feldman with additional material by Jay Rice. Jay Rice was one of the actors that we will be talking about soon. Again, a situation where he, I think he, he came um, up with some stuff and Punch, then it made it. He is principal. Douglas. Yes. Yeah. Douglas Punch. Okay. Jay Rice. He had the additional material. The show itself workshopped in 2004 to be produced off uh, Broadway and then eventually made it on Broadway in 2005. And the 2005 Broadway production was directed by James Lapine. Um, To quote, to make a quote, the unusual aspect of the show is that four real audience members are invited on stage to compete in the spelling bee alongside six young characters. Breaking the fourth wall. I've never heard of such a thing. Never. Apparently in 2005, they didn't do it really that often. They really didn't. But what's funny is in 2005, uh, when we get to the Tony Awards, the show that won all the Tony Awards also broke the fourth wall. But we'll get to that. So in the world of breaking the fourth wall, among other things, the adult-only performances were called parent-teacher conferences where they would unleash all the sex jokes. So you had to be over age 16 to be considered an adult to make those performances. Because so much of the show has um, improv, because they are breaking the fourth wall, they have those unexpected situations happening when the audience members come up on stage. I love it. Yeah, you never know what's going to happen. I'm always curious, how many audience members do you think made penis jokes when they made it up there? You know, for the most part, the audience members that we had most nights were just kind of shy. But when you got, I know, when when you got somebody, when you're in New York, I'm sure it's different. I was so freaking excited. I was like, get me on stage. And nobody brought me up. And they picked grandpa in the Hawaiian shirt. Yes, they did. Yeah. I was like, if you want to be on stage at a Broadway show that breaks the fourth wall, wear a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. And that is literally the answer. I didn't know that the show was an interactive show with audience members. I would have worn something much more eye-catching. But it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> the, the usual New York black. The original cast, the original Broadway cast, is the same cast from the off-Broadway production, which I still think is just so lovely that they did this. The characters are as follows, and this is where we kind of derailed in our first episode. So we're not going to this time, but I do need you to tell me their last names. Okay. You ready? So we have Rona Lisa, and mm-hmm. that was originally played by Lisa Howard. We have Vice Principal Douglas Pouch, who was played by Jay Rice. Mitch Mahoney was played by Derek Baskin. Carol Baskin. Carol Baskin. What's that song? Uh, that's on TikTok? I don't know. Oh, man. It's like, Let's not derail. Uh, damn it. You're I, wanna, I have to think of it. Oh, my gosh. It's going to drive me insane. Dear Carol Baskin. Yes. There we go. There's the Scott Hoying, Jessica Vosk version. So then we have Olive. Ostrovsky. Ostrovsky. And that was played by Celia Keenan Boulder. She actually, about a year ago, she had just closed To Kill a Mockingbird. She played Scout. And she's an older woman playing Scout, but she's one of those tiny, like tiny humans, petite humans. So she plays an excellent child, apparently. So does her brother, Andrew Keenan who was crutchy Fun fact. Newsies. Fun fact. She's just, Fun you fact. know, Broadway relations always make me 
They just make me smile. Yeah. That's like in the family. Yeah. And then we have Barfay, who is Dan Ful- Fogler. Dan Fogler, who I keep seeing his name and thinking it's Folger. Folger's uh, in your cup. cup. <laughs> Best part of waking up. We have Logan. Logan Schwartz and Grubinier. And that was played by Sarah Salzberg. There was Marcy. Marcy Park. Marcy Park. Marcy Park was played by Deborah S. Craig. Leaf. Coney Bear. Coney Bear was played by Jesse Tyler Ferguson, who you might know from Modern Family. I love him. The lovable redhead. And then we have mm-hmm. Chip. Charlito Tolentino. Charlie. Charlie that's so cute. That's oh, yeah. his full name. Little Charlie. But he goes by Chip. And that was played by Jose uh, Jana. We had that actually as a correction. Oh, yeah, we did. He's Filipino, as it turns mm-hmm. out. Which I love. I think I, re- I remember this conversation. Remember? I was still I was still uh, not drunk. You were still not sober. drunk. I was sober at that point. <laughs> I do want to point out some honorable mentions. Include Betsy Wolf from San Francisco, two thousand six, in the role of Mitch. James Monroe Inglehart was in the mm-hmm. San Francisco two thousand six, uh, who was also Genie in Aladdin. Mm-hmm. And then we had uh, for Leaf, Josh Gad actually played Leaf as a later replacement Ugh. on Broadway. And then Jared I Gertner, I think is his last name. Um, I actually don't have this one in my notes, but he is in um, Ordinary Days. Yeah. And oh. I love that musical. He was in the San Francisco 2006 performance as Leaf. I love it. So they went from like really skinny fit Jesse Tyler Ferguson to like traditionally kind of not well, so fit character okay. so- actors. Jesse Tyler Ferguson wasn't super fit at that point. I remember him, maybe it was the way he was dressed because his clothes are homemade, but it's like he was kind of frumpy looking because he's not supposed to be this like athletic kind of child. And we'll talk about that more in a Mm -hmm. second. But it it can be, the thing I love about this show is you can play these characters any style you want. Really, there's a way that you should play some of them. Um, and we'll talk about that. I mean, I am going to go through a breakdown of who the characters are yes. quickly because I have notes this time. Um, <laughs> not, but yeah, not for 40 minutes. <laughs> but this, this is, yeah, not for 40 minutes. This, though, is a very open casting kind of situation. There's really no ethnicity or style other than Marcy Park, maybe, because she has to be skinny, like the smallest person. Not even skinny, but she says she's the smallest one in her class. So she does have to be small. You know, so everybody else, though, fair game. Yeah. She just has to be petite, whatever that means. Just to be petite. Yeah. Um, Unless it's a a kind of tongue-in-cheek moment. I have one more person I want to mention who is a notable Broadway cast replacement. And that Mm -hmm. is Jennifer Simard, who uh, replaced for the role of Rona Lisa. Jennifer Simard, she is the co-host of Killing It on Broadway with Jessica Vosk. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, I love her. Who did she replace? she replaced Rona Lisa, which was uh, Lisa Howard. Mm, okay. Rona yes, Lisa it. Peretti. I love it. Rona Lisa Peretti, which brings That's me That's a in. really fun call. That part was so beautiful. My friend Tierney played her at, at Berman. I have one note about audience interaction, and then I'm going to go into awards. So Catherine Close was the 2006 winner of Scripps National Spelling Bee. So she was like a real life spelling bee champion. And she was invited to be on stage as a contestant for one of the performances. And she was the last speller from the audience to be eliminated. And she survived 14 (laughs) rounds. I wonder what word they gave her that was like, okay, you have to lose. 
So, no, they don't tell you that you have to lose. And I'll tell you what, Christy actually was <laughs> our last speller for the show that I did. Oh, shocking. And Christy's an English, she's an English major. Mm-hmm. So she wasn't going to get it wrong. And if you told her it was wrong, she's like, no, I'm going to show you that it's right because she's stubborn too. <laughs> so we they love actually, you, Christy. And it, no, and she knows, she knows she's stubborn. I am too. But man, when it comes to spelling, Christy knows her shit. So they gave her this long ass word. And she spelled it correctly, but then it's up to Ponch to say, you forgot the silent Q or something stupid like that. Completely just, just forget the fact that she did get it right and just say, no, nah, I'm sorry, that's wrong. And just go at it. Just, just make them feel stupid on stage, basically. <laughs> so that's how you get them out is you, you have to fake it, basically. Oh my gosh. It's like I, my brain went to like, make them laugh, make them laugh. Make them feel yep. stupid. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would, so that's how that works. Okay, that's so funny. So they're like, you forgot the silent cue. Yeah. That's like me whenever I'm writing. Which brings me into the awards. The Off-Broadway production in 2005 won the awards of Drama Desk. They actually won everything they were nominated for, which included Outstanding Book of a Musical, which was Rachel Scheinkin, Outstanding Ensemble Performance, Outstanding Director of a Musical, which was James Lapine. They also won some Lucille Lortel Awards. They won Outstanding Musical and Outstanding Featured Actor, Dan Fogler. And they were nominated for Outstanding Director and Outstanding Choreographer, which was Dan Knitches, who is the Artistic Director of Tuts. Exactly. Yeah. And then it also won the Theater World Award. It didn't say like what the award was other than the Theater World Award. And Dan Fogler and Celia Keenan-Bolger both won that. But the Tony Awards, it actually did not do as well. So the original Broadway production was at the Tony Awards in 2005. It also was at the Drama Desk Awards. So the Drama Desk Awards, they were only nominated. They didn't win anything. And it was nominated for Outstanding Musical, Outstanding Lyrics, and Outstanding Musical Score. But yeah, no wins. So Off-Broadway won. On-Broadway did not win. I I can understand why, but at the same time, that really sucks. But then we have the Tony Awards. The Tony Awards, it won for Best Book, Rachel Scheinkin, and uh, Best Performance by a Featured Actor in a Musical, Dan Fogler. But it was nominated for Best Musical, Best Original Score, Best Performance by a Featured Actress in a Musical, and Best Direction. So I looked up. I had to know. Who who won against this show that won so many Drama Desk Awards when it was off-Broadway? Well, it was none other than Spamalot. I love... Spamalot's my favorite musical, hands down. So... I was like, okay, that makes sense. It won, Spamalot won Best Musical. But guess which musical won Best Original Score? What? Your favorite musical, Light in the Piazza. (gasps) Oh my God. I saw that one too my first time in New York. Same trip. Same trip. It was such a good show. I love that show. That makes sense with Matthew Morrison, who is now the Grinch. Oh, let's not talk about that. Oh, I haven't watched it yet, but I'm very excited to see it. I've, I've seen some portions of it and I'm like, I don't want to see Matthew Morrison <laughs> as the Grinch. He's too cute. He's too I don't, cute. Aw. I did see I like uh, that Grinch production though in Chicago with Gavin Lee, who was Bert in Mary Poppins in London. He originated that role. Little, little tidbits. He was also Squidward in SpongeBob. Oh, oh I kind of uh, wish. I him. Oh, he's great. He's a lovely human. I wish that he had been cast in it other than Matthew Morrison, but that's just me. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, moving back to Tony Awards nominations. It was also nominated for Best Performance by Featured Actress in a Musical, so Celia Keenan-Bolger, but she actually lost to Sarah Ramirez, who was in Spamalot as Lady of the Lake, which is my dream role ever. Ever. Lady of the Lake. Lady of the yeah. Lake. I, I, if you said, Emily, the only role you're going to play for the rest of your life is Lady of the Lake, I'd go, great. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Pay me, but yes. And then <laughs> it was nominated for Best Direction, which was Lapine, but also lost to the Spamalot director, Nichols, Mike Nichols. But it was redeemed because in 2006, it was nominated for Best Musical Theater Album at the Grammy Awards. It did not win, but I mean, to get nominated for a Grammy is pretty kick-ass. So I think that's a redemption. I think so. Everyone wins a Tony. Not everyone is nominated for a Grammy. Yeah. I say that with, like... Fuck it. With all the grimace in my brain. (laughs) (laughs) But, yes. I'm just going to start talking, Chelsea. Oh, my God, Emily. Do you know what I love? Coffee. I fucking love coffee. Even though when I texted you earlier, I was like, do you want coffee? You're like, no, I only like good coffee. Look, I don't know what good coffee is until I try it. Okay. Well, I tried coffee over cardio. Uh, This female-owned company offers high-quality coffees and creamers with no sugar added. It is gluten-free and keto-friendly. And you can get ground coffee, hydration supplements, and creamers. And again, with no sugar added. Right now, I'm actually drinking Workflow. It is their highly caffeinated coffee. Yeah, it is good. It is very good. I've been drinking it all afternoon. Well, you wondered why I was so hype earlier. It's because I've been drinking (sighs) Workflow highly caffeinated coffee. So that's why you're in such a bouncy good mood right now. Yes. Okay. It's this coffee. Okay. It smells it great. It smells good. It smells really good. Yes. But you too can get Coffee Over Cardio at coffeeovercardio.com and use promo code 10 dolls. Yes, it does sound like a brothel. <laughs> 10 dolls. That's one zero D O L L S. 10 dolls, just like a brothel. It will save you 10% off. It's so funny. <laughs> But yes, you can use promo code 10dolls to get 10% off your first, oh, at all your orders at coffeeovercardio.com. Cheers. Okay. Okay. I'm exhausted from all the background. That was a lot of background. I feel pretty good about it. Let's take you into act one of this crazy, crazy show. Actually, no, I'm not going to take you into act one just yet. Because, listen. Why? Why, Chelsea? The show... It's a love story to spelling bees and the strange children that inhabit the spelling bees. They all have their weird ass tics and literally everything about this show has to do with the kids. And so you, you really have to understand these characters first to be able to understand what the hell is going on in the show. I mean, it's fairly simple. It's a spelling bee. But what makes it a sweet show is that a really, really, really sweet show is that it's, you know, character driven as are all shows, but especially this one. With the six young children. These six young children and Lisa, Rona Lisa, Mitch Mahoney, and Vice Principal Punch. So I'm going to tell you about them if you don't know who these characters are. Rona Lisa Peretti is the number one realtor in Putnam County. Oh my <gasps> gosh, Emily, she's coming after you for your job. Oh, she didn't and o- she's, host an open house today in the rain maybe, and still have people show up. I'm um, pretty sure she hosted five in the rain and had people show up. God damn it. 
So she's the number one realtor in Putnam County and former champion of the spelling bee from when she was younger. And they actually opened the show on her word, which is syzygy. How do you spell that? S-Y-Z-Y-G-Y. Syzygy. Oh my gosh, that's probably correct. I thought you were going to give me something bullshit. I have it spelled out because I knew you were going to ask. (laughs) So she actually returns to the bee to be a moderator. And Rona Lisa is sweet but stern, and she loves the kiddos. She's especially especially stern when it comes to Vice Principal Ponch because he's got a thing for her, and Uh she's just the whole time through is just kind of trying to get him to get off her dick, basically. Off her dick. Not on his, off hers. Got it. She also plays Olive's mom later in the show. Aww. We come into Vice Principal Ponch, who after five years of absence from the spelling bee, has returned to be a judge. They don't exactly say what happened, but there was an incident at the 20th annual Spelling Bee, but he claims to be in a quote-unquote better place now, and he's on a, on a better diet, so he's in a better place now. He is infatuated with Rona Lisa Peretti, but she's just not that into him. He reminds me of a sadder version of Principal Skinner. From? The Simpsons. So now we're on Mitch Mahoney, and he is the official comfort counselor when kids get out. You hear this buzzer. And then Mitch Mahoney comes up to hug them and gives them a juice box. Ew, he's hugging children? That was before, like... Coronavirus? Coronavirus. So I don't know what they're going to do in the time of coronavirus if anybody does Putnam in the next few years. They tap elbows. He is the exact opposite of who you would want handing your your sad, crying child a juice box and comforting because he's on parole and he's doing this comfort counseling gig as like his um, community service. <laughs> so do we ever know this, why he's on parole? Like what he No, did? they never say. Hmm. They never say. But he's played uh, usually by really big men, like intimidating big men. So then we have Olive Ostrovsky. She's a newcomer to the spelling bee, but a very smart girl. Her mother is in an ashram in India, and her dad works late all the time. There's something wrong between her parents. We just don't know what it is. Mm. There's... Her, her mom has run away. She's in India. But is she really in India? We what don't know. Is her, what, what, what was that word you just said? Ashram. How do you, what, A- how do you spell that? A- A-S-H-R-A-M. Okay, An cool. ashram. What does it mean? I don't know. I think it's some sort of Indian commune. It's like a love, eat, pray kind of thing. Okay. So you can, you can <laughs> look it up. But pray. I want to say, so, okay. I pray love. <laughs> Whatever. Eat, love, pray. Pray on people while pray you eat it's a, it's love. A, it's a religious retreat. Okay. Okay. I feel so much better. I, I think as if I were to ever direct this show, I would leave that up to the decision of the audience to make. Is her mom really in India or did she leave? Is she in India? And her, and her dad just like can't come to terms with it. This character is so tragic, but she's so sweet. And because of her parents being so dismissive, dismissive of her, and ignoring her basically her whole life, she has made friends with her dictionary. All these kids have, all the kids have special tics when it comes to their spelling. And her special tick at the B is she whispers her words into her hand before she spells it out loud. So she'll put her head to the side, whisper it, and then spell the word. Then we have William Morris Barfay. He's a Putnam County Spelling Bee finalist from last year, but was eliminated due to an allergic reaction to peanuts. His famous, he is famous for his special tick called the magic foot. <laughs> He's just the absolute worst. He's got a touchy personality and one working nostril. So he, 
<laughs> does this through the whole show. It's and he, like, he gets a, a lot of the words. It's terrible. He, <laughs> he gets all the words that are, are having to do with, with nasal drainage and stuff, like lugubrious. Sounds like... <laughs> His last name, Barfay, is spelled B-A-R-F-E-E with an accent over the last E. So a lot of people disregard the accent because they don't know how to pronounce it and call him Barfy, B-A-R-F-E-E. And he's always pronouncing them, it's Barfay. And he's just like this asshole, but he kind of warms up in the end. Then we go into my favorite character, <laughs> Logan Schwartz and, Schwartz and Grubenier. So it's Schwartz and, with the word A-N-D, Grubenier. Two different last names shoved together with an and. That's her full last name because she has two gay dads and they didn't want to choose one name or the other, so they went with both. And they put an and in the middle and that's her last name. A hyphen was too mainstream. A hyphen was way too mainstream. Her nickname in the show is Schwartzy. So that, it's just, you know. That's cute. I know, it's cute. So Loghain is the youngest and most politically aware speller often making comments about current political figures. And you can tell in the script how old this show is because of that. They're talking about Bill Clinton. There's like a line about Bill Clinton, and then it says, or add your own political figure of your time, of your current time period. Oh, man. She has two overbearing gay dads who push her to win at any cost. And she speaks with a lisp and is constantly stressed out can relate her take is that she writes the words on her arm before she spells it out loud so she sees it written out on her hand or on her arm before she spell it and i love that about her she does it like there's no pin involved she just like does no. it yeah she just it's, it's, it's like invisible finger. yeah yeah with her finger yeah. marcy park is our next character she's a perfectionist and a recent transfer from virginia Marcy placed ninth in last year's nationals. She speaks six languages and is a member of an all-American hockey league, a champion rugby player, and basically succeeds at everything. And also, she's not allowed to cry. Oh, no. So Leif Coneybearer is my second favorite character next to Loghain. He's a homeschooled, strange-ass kid who makes his own clothes and wears a helmet. Mm. He got into the competition on accident. Um, He had competed. He competed with the other homeschoolers and the first place winner had something that happened. And then the second place winner had to go to a bar mitzvah. So he gets to go. He was the third runner up. (laughs) So he gets to go. He comes from this really, really big, large family of former hippies and spells his words in a trance. That's his tick is he's really kind of dumb and everybody thinks he's dumb. He's got a whole song on it. (laughs) And then he lets his finger do the spelling. And when he puts up his finger, he kind of goes into this trance and like bugs red out. Rum. Red rum, red rum, red <laughs> Yeah, and the finger kind of speaks for him like a puppet. And so it's, it's just really creepy. Older, it's an older version of the kid from The Shining. Most of the words assigned to him are South American rodent, rodents with amusing names, like a coochie. Pee. Then we have, we're almost done. This is the last speller. Chip Charlito Tolentino. His nickname is Chip, but his full name is Charlito so Tolentino. Charlie. Little old Charlito, and he's a Boy Scout, and he was the champion of the 24th annual Spelling Bee. So he was last year's champion. He's like this, like, child man. He's a man child. He's a child man. Like, the, <laughs> he's, he's trying to be. He's a child the played guy by a campus. man. But trying a man. Playing. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm the best. Basically, he's, he's you know, 
puffing up and trying to to intimidate other people, but he's really not all that intimidating because he's a Boy Scout. <laughs> and <laughs> he's, he's got these little shorts on the whole time. So he's um, he's social, he's athletic, he plays Little League and expects things. <coughs> Hold on. Leagueito? Little League? I like how you choke he, and you take a sip of Coke. It helps. He expects things to just come easily to him, but he finds that puberty is hitting at an inopportune time during the show. Oh, man. And then we've got the extras like Carl and Dan, who are the dads. They're played by Mitch and Leaf. Uh, Leaf's mom and dad and siblings are played by the other spellers. Mostly Barfay and Logan play the mom and dad. And then Olive's mom and dad are usually played by Le- Rona Lisa Peretti and Mitch. And then Jesus is played by Chip. We'll talk about Jesus. Okay. Growing up as a latchkey kid in a small town in Maine, I always assumed I was safe. After all, unless it makes national news, murder isn't something people talk about around here. But that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Murder, She Told is a true crime podcast featuring crime stories, unsolved murders of missing persons, and baffling cold cases from my home state of Maine, New England, and small towns across America. These are the crime stories your hometown doesn't want to talk about. The mysteries buried deep in the newspaper archives of local American history. These are the homicides you've probably never heard of before. Through detailed storytelling and connections with family, friends, and investigators closest to the case, Murder, She Told will hit home for any true crime fan, whether you're from Maine or from away. Visit MurderSheTold.com to suggest your hometown crime story. And subscribe now wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm Kristen Seavey, and this is Murder, She Told. So that opens up into the first song, into Act One, with the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Please spell... Syzygy. S Y Z Y G Y. Syzygy? We have a winner! <laughs> Thank you! Thank you! Thank you! At the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, my parents keep on telling me. Just being here is winning. It starts with Rona Lisa Peretti spelling syzygy. So we hear this, Miss Peretti, please spell syzygy. And then you hear like a young Rona Lisa spelling it. And this is a flashback on her time at the spelling bee. And then we introduce each character in this song. We've got Logan and we've got all the fun characters coming in, Barfay. They're all cutthroat spellers, and they take this very seriously. This is like their time to shine, all these little nerds. This is their time to shine. Super Bowl for nerds. Yes. (laughs) And they all want to go to Washington, D.C. for the finals, where you get to watch TV in a fancy hotel on a plasma screen, which I'm like, maybe update those words. But (laughs) Rona is talking to the kids and the audience in the song as she introduces everybody and talks about what the spelling bee is. Olive comes in, she runs in late and oh, no. she kind of 
she looks over, she goes up to the barfay. He's the first person she talks to, and he's in his zone getting prepped. And she's like, hi, um, do you know where we check in? And Barfay's like, shut up. And just kind of ignores her. Am scray toots. Am scray toots. And Olive is alone. She came by the bus. She came to the spelling bee oh, by man. the bus and doesn't even have the $25 fee to enter the <gasps> spelling bee. But Ronalisa decides to waive the fee after asking a couple of questions like, well, where are your mom and dad? My mom's in an ashram in India and my dad works late. Aww. And so Rona, she, take, she takes pity on her. She's like, okay, we'll just, we'll get the money from your dad later when he comes to the, because she's like, don't worry, my dad will be here later. Yeah. Yikes. Mm. He doesn't. Spoiler alert. He never shows He never shows, shows. Up. And then she has to take never the bus home by herself. She does. She, well, maybe. We'll see. Okay. Olive goes and takes her seat, and Principal Ponch is introduced as uh, returning after a five-year hiatus after that ex- incident that they don't incident. describe. <laughs> but he says he's doing better, and Ponch introduces the very intimidating Mitch Mahoney, who's helping at the B as the comfort counselor. And the comfort counselor. As part counselor. of his... Community service. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite. I, I'm just going to say all these characters are my favorite. I love Mitch. I love them all. They're I'm, all funny in their own way. Mahoney, after they're done singing this song, Mahoney looks at everybody and they're like, let's do the Pledge of Allegiance. So he like <laughs> stands them up real quick and they do the Pledge of Allegiance. And this is, you know, not in the, it's not in the track, but it's the Pledge of Allegiance. And you get to see how cutthroat these kids are and how competitive they are because they're all racing to finish the pledge first. And then at the end, everybody's like race to the end. And then you hear Coney Bear going, and the home of the brave play ball, <laughs> basically. <laughs> we get a little bit about these characters from the very first song here. We go into the next song called The Spelling Rules. And this is Ponch, all the spellers, Rona, and Mitch. Everybody's involved in this. Now for the official spelling bee rules. A speller. A speller. May ask questions. May ask questions. About the word's pronunciation or definition. Definition. Its use in a sentence. In a sentence. And its language of origin. Language of origin. If you start to spell a word, you may start over. But the sequences of letters already spoken may not be changed. After pulling audience members up to spell and be a part of the competition, Principal Ponch is explaining the rules in this song. And uh, some of the rules include you may ask questions about the definition, the use of a sentence, language of origin, all of the usual spelling rules. Um, and... If you misspell, they will ring the bell. And everybody hates the bell, so you don't want the bell to be rung because it means you're done for the day. But So one of my favorite things about this show is that it is audience interactive. They pull four or five people from the audience up on stage. So after the spelling rules, we go into my favorite moment of the bee. It's kind of combined together with the spelling rules. And Rana... Rona Lisa, excuse me, tells of how she loves the beginning of the bee before anybody has gotten out yet and how the kids are acting so innocently in my favorite moment of the bee. Rona's favorite moment of the bee. It's very 
very short and sweet, but you just see a little bit about Rona and who she is. So she just, she loves the kids and she's excited about the B starting. So then we get into the B. Logan Schwartz and Grubinier is the first one to be called up. She gets her word right. She goes and sits down. When Leaf Coney Bear is called next to spell for the very first time, it is revealed in a flashback that he came in third at his regional B, but advanced to the county finals when the winner and runner-up when the winner <laughs> and runner-up had to attend the winner's bar mitzvah. So, oh, that's what it was. Yeah. So, the first place winner was having the bar mitzvah. Bar mitzvah. The second place winner was attending the bar mitzvah. Oh. <laughs> but I'm sorry, bat mitzvah, not bar mitzvah. The bat. Mitzvah. It was a girl. Yeah, it was a girl. Okay. His, and he didn't get invited. Word, no, he didn't. Oh, no. I know. He's the weird kid. Poor Aww. baby. But I love, I love Coney Bear. I'd be his friend. His <laughs> word is capybara, which has C-A-P-Y-B-A-R-A. He has no idea how to spell this word. He's like, oh, no. Well, I guess uh, it's been kind of fun. And I'm really glad that I got to be here at C-A-P. Did <laughs> <laughs> you just cough from your red rum? I... I am. I have a. Really you know, bad it's your old fashioned. Sorry, it's not. It's not yeah. red rum. It's it's Ugh. old fashioned. It's old fashioned. Yeah. So he's he like goes into this trance. He's kind of given up. He's like, yeah, I'll just go sit down and go back home now. But oh, and then he goes into a trance and he gets the word right. And when they're like, that he's like, God is damn finger. Yeah. No. And Ponch, Principal Ponch's reaction is everything. It's like that is correct. Oh my. <laughs> God. Oh my God. And he's like, I got it right. Ah, and goes and sits down. He's just so cute. Aww. Then Olive comes up next and she is about to spell her word. But before she can, she, she says, oh, excuse me, ma'am. And starts talking to people in the audience. Can you not sit there? Uh, that spot's for my dad. I, I saved him a spot. And she sings this song, My Friend, The Dictionary. I say chair for my dad in the fourth row on the aisle and it may take him a while but when he gets here that's his chair in this song she's telling the audience member first that she saved the seat for her dad while she is you know, up here at the microphone, she's expecting him to, she's expecting him to come to the spelling bee after he gets off work and support her, but he just hasn't gotten there yet. And he's, he's supposed to be the fourth role on the aisle because that's what they agreed upon. Apparently uh, okay. she also says, she also says, I saved a, a seat for my mom, but it's more of like a, oh, what's it called? A symbol because she's in an ashram in India. She talks more about her mom. So <laughs> it's, she's just super cute. The ashram is killing me. I know. So then she goes on to talk about her mom and her oversized dictionary that she read as a girl on the toilet. And over here I'm playing like Angry Birds and Harry Potter on the toilet. Sometimes I do Norwegian. I'm learning nowhere. Norwegian. So I'll, I'll get you a I'll get you an oversized dictionary. Good. A Norwegian oversized dictionary for your toilet. <laughs> so when you come over, you can get scared by the ghost, sit Love on it. the toilet, and then read the dictionary. I like it. Okay. And this this oversized dictionary um in her bathroom is now her best friend and her only friend because she is a neglected child. Oh no. <laughs> I know it's really sad. Yeah. It's it's such a sweet and sad song. And one of the one of my favorite lyrics is 
every word's in alphabetical order, ergo lost things can be found. Because she's feeling very lost, I'm sure. And the audience and the spellers are enthralled by her sweetness and they sing about how much they like Olive. My friend, the dictionary is a very reliable friend. We get into the first goodbye. The whole company sings this goodbye. And the goodbye, goodbye, we are goodbying the first audience member who gets out. So typically in this case, the plan is to get an audience member out because that's what this song has to be about. And they'll, they'll continue to bring up the audience members and skip the cast members until somebody gets a word wrong or they'll, you know, throw one under the bus. But a lot (laughs) of times they'll just give like the longest word ever Mm -hmm. just to get them out. And the thing about the words is the words are not necessarily scripted for the audience. They are scripted for the cast members. Yeah. It is fair game for Principal Ponch, who gets to read the word. And then Rona Lisa, her job is to give side commentary. So I remember once our, we had somebody come up from the audience who was Rona Lisa's actual, the girl playing Rona Lisa, it was her actual father, and he had a bald spot up on top. So she's supposed to give, like, Fun fact about the speller. So he comes up and she's like, fun fact. He actually doesn't need to have a bowling ball in his life because his head is one. (laughs) Principal Ponch, he can pull out whatever word he wants for the audience members. It's hilarious. Really great stuff. is sung the goodbye song is sung every time somebody gets out but the thing that's hard about this song for music directors and cast is it changes slightly with each person that gets out just slightly i hate that it just means you are even more impressive when you get it right that's right that song is just a pain in the ass though but it's a great song once you get it and the the first person out like i said is an audience member they get their juice box from mitch mahoney and they're escorted off stage and back to their seat Then we come to the song Pandemonium. Life is random and unfair. Life is pandemonium. When William Barfay, and the reason why we get into this song is because Barfay goes up to spell for the first time. Rona Rona Lisa describes his unusual technique. He spells the words out on the ground with his foot to get a visual before speaking it. And he demonstrates with confidence by returning to his seat immediately after spelling his word sitting down and she's like that is correct he's like i know (laughs) and sits down confidently the third volunteer after william barfay has given this really long word the third volunteer from the audience comes up and is given a really easy word often the word is mexican that's scripted but you can change the word to whatever you want as long as it's like a three or five letter word very easy word that people cannot screw up (laughs) no like they would say can you spell the word april A-P-R-I-L. You could do that. My brain would literally stop working. Uh, That's what happened when I was in a spelling bee. (laughs) Spell the word invitation. I remember the word because I couldn't spell it. Mine was boisterous, which is arguably a bad, uh, like a hard word. Yeah, it is. B, I spelled it like B-O-Y-C-H where it's really B-O-I-A-Y-S. 
It was bad. Mm-hmm. They just told me to sit down. He was like, just stop. X Y T I H O P. Boisterous. Invitation. Boisterous. <laughs> the third volunteer is given an easy word. Like it often, it's scripted as the word is Mexican, but you can replace it with ever, any word that's easy. <laughs> and all of the spellers complain about that person getting a really easy word when they've all had these like really freaking long, difficult words. And they're like, that's not fair. And then after several rounds, another particularly easy word is given to the final audience speller. Often the word is cow, telephone, or hospital. And the spellers erupt and rant about how the element of luck makes the bee unfair. So they're just so pissed that that the that their their competitors are getting easy words while they get these really hard words. So they go crazy on everybody, and there's just like this dream sequence pandemonium thing that that goes off yes it is and so in this part if you've ever seen pictures of spelling bee with somebody hanging from the gym rope which let's talk about this set for a second yes please it's set in a gym so like usually you'll see like the the you know like the basketball hoop hanging down there's like a rope for climbing up yeah. you'll see like the bleachers the kids are sitting on the bleachers it's like a gym floor a lot of times people paint the floor to look like a gym so if you've seen that picture with like a a person hanging upside down on the rope i think it's chip usually and like kids throwing their hands up in the air and going crazy or making crazy faces that is probably pandemonium that you're you're looking at a picture of so lights go crazy they sing pandemonium it's a fun ass song but it is hard let me tell you this show seems easy the harmonies are really complex and really tricky so get in there and work on it early broadway's always like if you are actually a child your song's gonna be music like your music's gonna be relatively easy but if you're playing a child we're gonna make it the hardest ever we're gonna fuck you up (laughs) logan gets the word Okay, I'm going to say it with a list. It goes physicist, C-Y-S-T-I-T-I-S, C-Y-S-T-I-T-I-S, I can't say it without the list. I want to be able to say with or without a list. So it's, and is shown studying. So she goes into kind of a little flashback. And then it goes into a, a flashback for her with her dads. It's she's shown studying with her two often arguing fathers in a flashback. And and so it's, they're, they're, you know, very hard on her. Mm -hmm. They expect perfection from their little child. So she's always stressed out because of that. And so she's like, can't disappoint, can't disappoint, can't disappoint. And so she comes out of that, that brain fog of this flashback, looks around and goes, and it was the word that they were working on in her flashback mm-hmm. and she got it wrong and her dad was berating her in the <gasps> flashback so she made sure not to get it wrong on stage so when it there really you go, mattered folks when it really mattered yeah <laughs> so berating your children works because she got the song or she got the word right uh, ah, don't take parenting advice from us take, thank you exactly we have a podcast about drinking and musicals don't, don't take, take advice from advice us. from us on parenting oh my gosh you can take advice on alcohol though yes when Leaf is called up for the second time, he's given the word acoochie, which he, again, does not know how to spell, but giggles at. <laughs> and he, 
He then reminisces about how his family has repeated it, repeatedly called him dumb throughout the years, a sentiment that he has come to believe. I'm not that smart. My siblings have been telling me that for years. Again, in a trance, in the middle of the song, I'm not that smart, he spells the word correctly. The rodent resembling the other rodent. What was it? A, C, O, U, C, H, I. So he's singing this song and he's going from, I'm not that smart. My parents have been telling me that for years into this crazy, the meter changes and he starts singing to himself and his puppet is singing at him. La, 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 la. <laughs> No, and then you know, Ponch interrupts him and goes, "Hello, your word? Can you spell it?" And he goes, "Oh, oh yeah, what's the word again? I forgot." And he's like, "Uh, coochie." Oh yeah, yeah, it's the rodent one, right? I don't know how to spell it. A C O, and his, you know, he goes into that uh, trance. Petition to cast Chelsea as Leaf. Uh, I mean. Dream come tr- dreams can dreams come true. Dreams can come true. If you want to cast me as Leaf, I'd be okay with it. Like, 100%. That, like, transition was was awesome. Thank you. I, I feel like in my heart, I'm not that smart. <laughs> I've been telling so you I that for years. Character. Thank you, Emily. <laughs> for a year. Right. <laughs> I love to Then we get into the second goodbye because this is the second audience member to get kicked the fuck out. So we kick out another audience member and sing goodbye. Farewell. Goodbye. Goodbye. And then after that, which is, they're all short and sweet. Those little goodbyes are very sweet until we get to the end one. So then Barfay comes up and he gets his big number called Magic Foot. Mm. He's given a word and demonstrates his spelling technique in this crazy song magic magic right the letter and that's basically it he just kind of he spells it out with his foot all across the floor <laughs> and he's he's very very fun with it he has a good time when i saw this show the barfay was wearing heelys mm-hmm. is that a flashback did they have Heelys in 2005? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't remember. Oh, yeah. They were released in 2000. So if you want Heelys, you probably got them in 2000. And you were a trendsetter. I, I guess I could see him wearing Heelys, but that would make me so nervous. I don't know how to use them. I've never had Heelys. Somebody get me some Heelys. So <laughs> anyway, he like, they do this big old number and he's, you know, it's very, it's very showy and really fun. For better way. Then we go into a pandemonium reprise with Mitch and everyone else. That's the reason we And this happens when Marcy's called up again, she correctly spells an extraordinarily difficult word, Kaikam which has got two Q's in it, but no U's in the entire song, in the entire word. 
Q-A-I-M-A-Q-A-M. Kaikam. Proving herself to be the best speller. And here's Marcy's little trick for spelling. She doesn't have one. She's just very smart and she knows all the words. Here's her trick. She's just smart. She's just fucking smart. <laughs> she's like she's like a robot. She's like a little robot. She can do everything perfectly. So anyway, however, she is genuinely surprised and somewhat hurt when Rona Lisa claims that she is, quote unquote, all business. And she, like this is the first <gasps> time you see any emotion from this robot. So Chip Tolentino is called up next. And he's, but he's not really paying attention. He's actually looking out into the audience and you're, you're supposed to fi- fixate, foxate. You're supposed to fixate on an audience member. <laughs> it's only act one. I've had a lot of, a lot That's of liquor. It's hilarious. So, they have to fuxate on one audience. A, well, basically we were, he does. He does yeah, fuxate. That's so what he's doing. He's, he's fixating on one character and kind of fantasizing that he's talking to her and it's supposed to be Leaf's attractive sister Marigold who's in the audience that he's he's in love with he's in a daze and so he doesn't hear his name called and when he snaps out of his daze he's reluctant to take his turn because he has an erection (gasps) because he's fantasizing about Leaf's sister Marigold how unfortunate gross and you're supposed to like look out and like talk to this person like God, I love that sweater you're wearing. It's so beautiful. <laughs> That's so, yikes. It's really creepy. It's really cre- Well, Chip is kind of a creepy character anyway. But when he snaps out, he's like, oh, God, um, can somebody else go? Can I skip my turn? Because I, uh, I really just can't spell right now. And they're like, no, you got to take your turn or else you're forfeiting. He's like, okay. So he walks up to the mic and he's like holding his little Boy Scout shirt in front of his, his you know, erection. And he's really trying to hide it. And he goes up and takes his turn. But his thoughts, aided by the vaguely erotic word that was given, which is also, was, the word is tit-up. Tit-up. That's what they talk about in uh, Chorus Line. Tits and ass. No? It's yes, tit I get you. Oh, yeah, it was, it was a bad joke. Tit-up. Ah. Uh. See, you do know Chorus Line. Okay, back, to the, back to the focus here on this uh, little special place. He gets the word tit-up. And he's distracted because he's, you know, got an erection and they just gave him this erotic word. (laughs) And so he starts to spell and he misspells the word. (laughs) And then he starts arguing with them that he didn't misspell the word and they were wrong. (laughs) And they go back to the rules. They sing the rules back to him. The sequences of letters already spoken may not be changed. He begs for another chance, but Mitch eventually hauls him off. And emotionally supports him. Yes. And this actually all happens within the last three songs. We've got the pandemonium reprise. My favorite moment of the B is happening as Chip is getting hauled off stage. So Rona Lisa comes back and says, I love this part. When somebody gets out and they fight, (laughs) it's great. That's my favorite moment of the And then prayer for the comfort counselor kind of goes right in. So we get this chip off stage and prayer of the comfort counselor comes in right as the next speller comes up and is eliminated. I'm sorry, you missed the silent cue. So this is the last audience member. This person has to be eliminated. They cannot get this word right. So this is the point that, you know, 
Chris, the Christies of the world have to get out. So <laughs> they give they give the ridiculously long word or tell them, I'm sorry, you forgot the silent Q or silent X or whatever, and just totally make it up because we have to get this person off stage by act one. Yeah, to go into intermission. Exactly. So this person gets out. He or she is simply called repeatedly in succession if they get the word right. They're just called back up each time. Nobody else goes. And is is given increasingly difficult words. So they finally get out, and Mitch sings a special serenade to this audience member for making it this far. It actually starts with, my friend, you will be missed. No, that's not how it starts. Never mind. You messed it up in the first episode, too. I did, didn't I? (laughs) Oh, because there's so many versions. Anyway. We'll let the uh, uh, the cast album let us know how it goes. But now go with dignity. This ends, but first on our list. You can go with pride. Goodbye. And that's act one. Kenzie? Whoops. What? I think we're in the wrong podcast, Kate. What? How do you know? I mean, I'm pretty sure that's not our audience. Well, I mean, they could be if they went over and listened to us on the I Can't Stop Thinking About podcast. You mean the podcast about all the things we can't stop thinking about, like Dragon Age, Steven Spielberg, Avatar The Last Airbender, and much, much more? I mean, I wouldn't have said it like it was an infomercial, but yeah, that one. It is available on all platforms, after all. That is very convenient. Well, we should, uh, probably get back to our own show, shouldn't we? Probably. It was nice to meet you all anyway. Yeah, cheers. You know, we would have been there already if we just asked for directions like I told you to. Oh my god, what are you, my mom? Well, now I have to pee. It's fine. So does all the cast as they wait for that last member to get, or that last audience member to get off stage. Right. Wait for Christy. And you can actually do this show... I'm pretty sure you can do this show without an intermission, but most people choose because you don't get to go off stage until your character gets, you know, out. Act two. We open up on the song. My unfortunate erection. Fritos, M&M's, Oreos, all for one dollar. Oh, it's a chip song. Yeah. It's chips. So it actually opens, and this is why you don't have to have an intermission is because this song is technically at the intermission, quote unquote. And Chip is singing in the audience with this like box of candy. So the the speller who first gets out has to sell candy. Like as like a, you know, he has to sell candy to the audience because that's like part of what they do. His volunteer is, hours. Volunteer yeah. hours, basically. Yeah. So he's doing his volunteer thing and selling candy. And he's like, God damn it, puberty got me out. I was here to reclaim that title and go to nationals again. But my unfortunate erection has decided that I'm not going to be eliminated. So or that I'm that I'm not going to get to go forward in this uh, spelling bee. You want to know how. You want to know how. You want to know why. 
is destroying my perfection. I'm imagining him with one of those cigarette box, like cigarette girl boxes. That's what he has. And then it's like he had an erection. So it's like dick in the box. Yes. So he's actually covering his penis with that is how we did it in both the production I was in. Oh my gosh. And he's like throwing candy at cast men or uh, throwing candy sometimes at the cast, (laughs) mostly at the audience. So the audience gets free treats at this point. Oh, good. Barfay at this point is taunting Chip because they've been they've been rivals. Uh, Barfay last year, you know, ate peanuts, and he was eliminated because he had an allergic reaction to the peanuts. So, <laughs> who throws a bag of peanut M and M's at him? <laughs> at Barfay, why it's Chip Tolentino. Of course. And Barfay is allergic to peanuts, so Olive goes and picks up peanuts for him, sparking <laughs> an interest in Olive. Aww. Chip and Barfay continue to fight before Ronalisa escorts the former champion offstage. So Chip gets escorted off. Aww. And Olive, I know, Olive and Barfay converse awkwardly before the second half of the B begins. And Barfay begins to develop a crush on Olive. So I love, I love this one line. She's, he's like, what's your name? She's like, Olive. It's like, if you turn around the words, or if you turn around the letters, it's I love. And she Zodiac starts to walk. killer your name. She says, I love, and then walks off. And he's sitting there talking to himself, and he's like, Olive, I love. That's stupid. <laughs> and then goes off. So he's like, you know, trying. You know, we, we start to see a really sweet side of him. And then he just turns right on around and just. He's like. Goes nope. back to asshole land. Nope. <laughs> With the break over, Rona Lisa introduces the finalists as they re-enter the stage. Last to be introduced is Logan Schwarzengrubenier, who describes her two overbearing fathers and the stress that they put on her. So. Finally, we have Logan Schwarzengrubenier, and she starts a monologue like, I'd like to thank my two fathers, Dan, and, and she goes on to like talk about how, I just I want to thank you for all the things you've done for me, guys. Thanks, I love you, basically. Aww. And then you, the dads appear behind her in this song, Woe Is Me. We hate losers, no one likes a which loser. is why we discipline a god hates Losers loves you because losers do not know how to win. And we have faith in you, honey. Yes, we do. Yes. And in the song, you hear them say, we hate losers. That is why we concentrate. God hates losers <laughs> because losers do not know how to win. And that's her father's, both of her father's basic like that's that's who they are that's just who they are so they're super overbearing if you ain't first you last if you ain't first you last ricky bobby oh man and she's just under this immense amount of stress to not disappoint them and they're always arguing with each other so she tries to be that that you know that in between for her parents Mm because she's an only child so she's like haha look at me i'm cute and i'm perfect so don't fight so that's that's schwartzy she's She's got a lot of stress and anxiety. Poor yeah. baby. What about me? Practice your breathing, Logan. Though I practice yoga, I don't breathe. I try not to disappoint, but still I disappoint the dad who my friends mock. 
So she sings this woe is me song and she goes on to talk about how her, her birth mom is in a trailer in Kansas and they're like tornadoes. They talk about the tornadoes and the <laughs> place that she lives and how that's a possibility. She's under a lot of stress. So you hear this whole song about her and why she has to win the bee, which is why I got to win the spelling bee. So then we get into a crazy montage of spelling where Ponch and the spellers start to just go through a bunch of things and we see that time has elapsed. It's not necessarily a song, it's just their spelling in slow motion and then really, really fast. And it's, oh, man. It, they, you, all, you see us in line, everybody's in line, and they're going through these, these um, definition, please, blah, 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 blah. And it goes, and then it slows down into this slow motion thing, and you just see that time has passed in the B, and we've been here all day <sighs> now. That's so then cool. Then we get into... Isn't it that's great? Like, that's and like nobody the coolest, really knows like, that musical thing in the entire world. Because most musicals, an entire universe happens in two hours. But yeah. in this one, it's like, hey, we're going to show you how long this lasts. It's a day. The last person that ends the spelling bee montage, 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 excuse me, <laughs> words this. are hard after. God, old fashioned. You're sneaking up on me like a little it's, bit. It's karma yeah. from taking it from Grant. Oh, fuck. We've, we get into I'm Not That Smart reprise at the end of the spelling montage where Ponch dings the bell and says, I'm sorry, that's incorrect. I hear the bell. That, to me, is not an inviting sound. They say a bell can break your heart, but just not mine. On the word chinchilla, who is spelling, you might ask. It's Leaf Coney Bear, poor baby. He has just gotten out, out of all of the cast members here on stage. But he sings this reprise, and he's like, maybe I am smart. I made it this far. Aww. I know I'm smart. Apple juice, please. And he walks away with his head held high having proven to himself, despite his elimination, that he is indeed smart. <laughs> Good for you, baby. I know I want him as a child. I'll adopt you, baby. <laughs> baby. So then we get into Marcy Parks, a little bit about Marcy. She's called to spell, and Rona, who has been announcing factoids about the spellers all along, announces that Marcy speaks five languages. Ooh. And Marcy reveals in a very unenthusiastic way, actually, I speak six. I'm sorry, what's that, dear? I speak six languages. Ooh, six. Every language easy, easy as the recipe for making jello. I speak six languages. So she goes on to... To correct Rona Lisa and say, actually, it's six languages. Also, I do this and this and this and this. So this is a, if you cannot do juggle things. and kick ball, this is like the, you know, in Drowsy Chaperone, the I don't want to show off song. Yeah. If you can't do those things, don't be this character. This is that. So Marcy Parks is 
juggling. She's kicking around a ball. She's got a hockey stick. She Sometimes they bring out a real piano and she accompanies herself on oh stage. Oh, my gosh. Sometimes it's a fake piano. Yeah. And she still it's accompanies an insane, herself on stage. <laughs> it's an intense fucking song while she's talking about all these things she does. So... Uh, it's a big song, and she's doing all these impressive things, and she's like, I'm tired of being perfect. That's one, two, three, four, five, six. So then immediately after, she's given the word camouflage after her song. Comes out, and they're like, your word is camouflage. To which she sighs, dear Jesus, can't you come up with a harder word than that? Camouflage? And then who does appear? Who appears? Jesus. Jesus appears in the show. It's usually played by, I think, Mitch. No, it's not. It's not Mitch. It's Chip because Chip has been. He went off stage earlier and he um, did a costume change into Jesus. So he Jesus comes his, on. He's uh, like candy box and changed into and Jesus. put on a little bitty thing around his waist. So <laughs> Jesus appears on stage and says, yes, Marcy, I heard your prayer. You called. And she's like, Jesus, do I really want to win? So he teaches her, Jesus teaches her that she's in control of her own life. And also he doesn't really care. <laughs> so he does. That's part of the lunch. He's like, well, Marcy, I don't actually care. Oh my gosh. Resolve to do what she wants rather than what is expected of her. She intentionally misspells the word and exits excitedly. Aww. Like she... She puts some X's in camouflage and gets really excited. So then we come into the I Love You song, which is a heart-wrenching, lovely song. <laughs> Olive's cell phone rings in the middle of the beat, and it's her father, who she has been anxiously hoping would arrive. Ponch attempts to disallow her from answering the phone, but she persuades Rona to take the call for her. Yeah. Loghain then begins an ad-libid... An ad-libid... Ad-libbed rant about the spelling bee. <laughs> Ad libitations. <laughs> Ad libitations. She gets to talk about anything political, and it's anything an entire rant. It's like, what world do we live in that you can have a cell phone on stage? Let me tell you about this world we live in. It's a, you know, and she goes on and on and on. Olive's cell phone again goes off, and Rona Lisa picks it up and and answers it. And Logan is in the middle of her her political speech. Her just kind of, she talks about her father's and the current political events. And Ponch is provoked by the rant and is very upset that he's lost control over this bee, that he loses his temper and lashes out at Loghain, who is next up to spell. Ponch is then escorted off stage by Rona Lisa and Mitch. And different productions handle this differently. But, you know, one of Loghain's fathers jumps on stage to calm Loghain down because she gets upset that she just got yelled at by an adult. And despite his daughter's protests, pours some of his soda on the floor to make Barfay's foot stick to the floor and thus disrupt his technique. With Ponch calmed down, Olive is called up to spell. She asks what her father had said on the phone and is saddened to learn that he is running even later than planned. Her word is chimerical. C-H-I-M-E-R-I-C-A-L. And mirroring the, word, mirroring the word's definition, she imagines her parents being there and giving her the love that she's always wanted and yearned for while showing the problem with her own family in the song, the I Love You song. Aww. 
such a sad piece. It's a beautiful song. It's a beautiful trio. disagreed with her father, mm -hmm. but her father poured the soda on the stage anyway. And she's like, shouldn't we like not do this stuff? This is bad, mm -hmm. dad. He's like, anything to win. She's like, I don't know about this. Oh, so man. Barfay is, I know. And so Barfay is called next to spell. And he, when he tries to use his signature technique, the soda causes his foot to stick to the stage. Much to his surprise, he he's really thrown off by it. He backs up and he's like, okay, I'm going to have to do this without my foot. And he's surprised to find that he can spell just fine without his magic foot. Oh my gosh. He doesn't need it. Yeah. So Loghain is next after that. And she overcomplicates her word. The word is vug and she misspells it. Oh, and her first reaction is, I'm sorry. I disappointed you dads. I overcomplicated, and it's so sad. The word is vug, V-U-G, mm -hmm. but she's like, V-U-G-H-E, whatever. So she really overcomplicates yeah. it. Then we get into... Uh, Loghain getting escorted off stage in a really sad little goodbye and Ronalisa sings my favorite moment of the B reprise too. <laughs> and she's excited that it's finally come down to the final two contestants, final two, where we get into this whole montage of songs called Second Part One, Weltenschauung, Barfay and Olive Pas de Deux, and Second Part Two. Yes, all four of those songs just are combined together in this last final shit that's happening on oh my stage. Gosh. So it's a little, they do a little ballet in the middle of the song. And yeah, it's a pas de deux in the okay. middle of the song. It's really cute. This is all a montage showing the final two of Olive and Barfay spelling against each other and also, question mark, falling in love. Aww. There's the ballet sequence where you see them get close to each other. Until we get to the second part two. And Barfay spells the word, he's about to spell the word correctly after Olive has misspelled Weltenschauung. Oh, which would make it so... If, if he spells it correctly, he would yeah. win. So before he spells it correctly, he looks to her and he's singing to himself, do I really want to spell this correctly or do I want to, you know, make a friend? Do I want to keep this friend? So Olive kind of reads his mind, looks back at him and says... It's okay, Barfay. I know you know this word. Spell it. So he does. He spells it correctly, and he ends up winning the B. He has won. Olive has lost. And then we get the song champion <laughs> in the song. 
the champion. We have a winner! Champion! Just sensational champion! Representational champion! At the Putnam County Spelling! Thank you all very much. And Rona Lisa and the companies, they sing it. Ponch awards William Morris Barfay the trophy and the $200 prize. And in a surprise act of charity, gives Olive a fictitious runner-up prize of $25 from his own I know, and that kind of turns Rona Lisa's heart a little warmer towards Ponch. But don't worry. It's the exact amount, that $25 is the exact amount that she needs to cover the entrance, entrance fee. So Olive turns around and hands the $25 to Rona Lisa to cover her entrance fee since her dad is still not there. Oh my gosh. I know. Olive congratulates and hugs Barthay and each character reads their epilogue, a sentence or two about what they do in the years to come and the decades that passed after the main action of the play ends. Okay. And it's really cute. Very cute. Rona Lisa goes off to discover herself and does not call Ponch ever again. <laughs> Naturally. I think um, Loghain goes on to um, work for some sort of, you can say whatever you want. You can insert whatever administration you want. I think I put Clinton in there when I did it because Trump had not won at that point. It, it's funny. They just show where they end up in the future. And Olive and Barfay end up being friends and hanging out and just each of them finally has a friend. And then we get the last goodbye and the finale. At the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, we grew up undeniably. Goodbye. And that's it. That's our Putnam. <laughs> I just got like weird chills. Little goosebumps. It, it's so sweet. Is this a much better? I know it took just about as long, yeah, it did. but it's a much, much better explanation of the show. Yeah. Yes. And it, you have to go through who these characters are before you can understand why it's funny in the sequence of things that happen. So I'm sorry to delve into those characters, but it's just a must. It's a must. They're all very unique and quirky, and that's that's how the show's driven. It's a must. A M U S T, or is it two words? B. <laughs> Beautiful. Lovely. Well, Chelsea, I feel enlightened again. <laughs> and like Yay. I know the show much better than I thought I ever would. You're welcome. I know I have the juice bumps. Just like the juice, juice, juice boxes that Mitch was handing out. Aww. I know. You know who also <laughs> you know who also helps us afford juice boxes? Who? Our patrons. Yay, patrons. Yay. Buy us more juice boxes. Yes, thank you, patrons. Sydney, Allison, Noah, Brandon, Victoria, Mama Hardy, Mama Keen, and Mama Lang. Thank you so much. If you would like to become a Patreon member, you can join us at www.patreon.com slash winesanddolls or find the link in our website, winesanddolls.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please go up and press subscribe. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please scroll down to the bottom and leave us a five-star review and a little note. We would really appreciate it. It helps us in the algorithm so we get more 
uh, listens and therefore get more sponsors and therefore are able to continue this podcast. And it'd be a nice little Christmas slash Hanukkah gift to us if you would leave us a review. If you would like more information about Wines and Dolls, please visit our website at winesanddolls.com. And you can always email us at winesanddolls at gmail.com. And we have a listener story coming up for the 1st of January, or not, well, our first listener episode of 2021 is in January. So it's coming up in a couple weeks, because guess what? This bitch 2020 almost over. So please. But wait. You know Mad Max happens in the year 2021. No, I did not. Yep. Well, there's uh, my stress mm, for the evening, and um, I yep. will drink some more. Yay! <laughs> but you can send us our listeners, or you can send us your listener stories and rants, just like Logan's rant, to winesanddolls at gmail.com or submit it through our website, winesanddolls.com. And with that, I'm Chelsea. I'm Emily. And this has been Wines and Dolls. Dolls. Cover your wine hole. Vivity.